Welcome to our Christmas Eve services of 2020 uh, to every single one of you. If you call Community Church your home, we are so glad that you're able to join us like this this Christmas Eve. If you're here for maybe even the very first time, we're just overjoyed and thrilled that you would come and spend this time together. Most of all, I simply want to say to absolutely everybody, a very Merry Christmas. Love and peace and joy to you this season, to you and to your family. We're thrilled to be with you. I will never forget my very first date with my wife, Kelly, many years ago. And I had thought about this and crafted it out very carefully. After church on a Sunday, I, uh, we brought her to lunch and then I said, we're going to go to the zoo. And so we went to the Detroit Zoo and we spent the entire day at the zoo and we had a great time. We came back and it was much, much later into the evening now. We'd spent hours and hours together and that was the sum total of my plan, to go to the zoo. But we didn't want to part ways. So I said, well, you know, would you like to go to the movies? I didn't even know it was on in the movies, but this was me thinking on the spot. And of course she said yes, because she loved me and I had a much thicker Irish accent way back then. So we went to the movies and I found myself sitting in this movie. It was a pretty dumb movie, but after a few minutes, you know, you get wrapped up in the movie. And I was kind of engrossed in this movie and I was watching this movie. About halfway through, I looked over to my side and there was Kelly. And I had been so kind of fixated on the story in the movie that I had kind of forgotten that I was with Kelly. And I remember going, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm with Kelly. My heart just about leapt out of my chest. Why would I say that? Because I love being with Kelly. I'm going to get major domestic credits for this story. I have three children. And on a fairly regular basis, I will spend a solo time or an evening with each of my children at one at a time. Uh, very, uh, several months ago, my son Jack and I, we were in Mount Pleasant. We went down Sweeney where the soccer pitches are. And there's a wall there. We got a, we got a Pixies to eat, good stuff. And then we kicked the ball for a while and we were chatting and we were laughing and we were, we were playing soccer together. You see, I love being with Jack. Last summer, I remember, I was with my son, Sean. And uh, we went to Doozy's. Gotta love Doozy's, everybody. Grabbed an ice cream. And all we did is we went to downtown Mount Pleasant and we just went for a walk. That's all we did. And we went up and down the streets and it was a summer's day. It was beautiful and warm. We were having our ice creams, and we were talking about all the kind of stuff that my son is into. He, he's a proud nerd. He likes Star Trek, and he likes synthwave music from the 1980s. We were talking about all of that crazy stuff. We were talking about anything and nothing. You see, I love being with Sean. And then there's my daughter, my 10-year-old Sophie. And this was quite a few months ago, but I do remember this one. We went down into downtown Mount Pleasant and there's a little shop there where you do this pottery stuff. And we went in there together um, and we got this pottery and then we painted it. You see, I'm not very good at pottery at all. And I'm not even very good at painting whatsoever. It didn't matter. We spent several hours together. You see, I just love being with Sophie. At the beginning of creation, it is a spectacular little moment that we see. The God of heaven and earth is with Adam and Eve. And very specifically in the book of Genesis, it says 
that they were walking together in the cool of the evening. Such a unique little description. Walking together in the cool of the evening. They were just talking, going for a walk. You see, God loved being with Adam and Eve. But then, of course, something went horribly wrong and things changed. I want to show you a single verse in the Bible this Christmas Eve. Actually, it's just a single word, but a very, very powerful word in the middle of that verse. It is made in a promise that came centuries prior to the birth of Jesus Christ, the Christmas story, as a prophecy to a man by the name of Isaiah. Here's the scripture. It's Isaiah chapter 7. This is what it says. The young woman, Mary, will be with child. That's Jesus. And give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that is a little word that I want to talk about. With. It's not God above us. It's not God around us. It's not God in us. It's God with us. The reason why I think it's so powerful is because I think everybody realizes, even from a very young age, that a part of what it means to simply be alive is that we have these times in our life where you and I, we are simply alone. Even a child understands this. Even a young child understands this. Now, nobody likes to admit to feeling or being lonely. Nobody wants to be that kid in the school cafeteria who's sitting all by themselves. Nobody wants to be the kid who's picked last for the team. 2020 may have been the year of global loneliness. Right across this planet, across every con continent and country, these rules were put into place that actually separated people from people, which causes deep-seated isolation and a poverty of relationship. Christmas, for most people, is about being with people. It's about going to a party or being with family or being with friends. Yet, that's not always the case. For a lot of people, Christmas can be a terribly lonely time. Maybe there's a loss. Maybe there's a breakup or an illness or depression. Or maybe you can't spend Christmas with your children. Or maybe you don't have children. Maybe you're looking for a relationship or for some other reason, but maybe you don't even know the reason. Christmas is often the loneliest time of the year. Maybe it is for you. Sometimes we think our loneliness is something that another person could actually take away from us. And if we're still lonely at Christmas, then what you're thinking is, well, I just haven't found the right person to be with yet. Well, there's one wonderful theologian by the name of Elvis Presley, and he puts it like this, I'll have a blue Christmas without you. But you see, there is a kind of aloneness that is so deep, so deeply felt and experienced that no other mere human being can ever take it away. Some of the most influential thinkers in the last centuries have argued that loneliness is simply an inevitable human condition. One philosopher said these words, the reason that we're lonely is because, this is a quote, we are meaning-seeking creatures, but we live 
in a meaningless world. What do you think of that? The biologist scientist Richard Dawkins, one of my absolute least favorite authors, he wrote many years ago, look at his words, the reason why we experience loneliness is that the universe offers no design, no purpose, no hope, just blind, pitiless indifference. Thank you, Richard. Now, the story of Christmas is a claim that things are simply not that way. That you were made by God and that God actually hates loneliness, that he is the one that said, it is not good for you to be alone. You see, God doesn't want anybody sitting at the table by themselves in the cafeteria. In fact, the central theme of the entire Bible is God's desire to be with people. In fact, one Old Testament scholar counted 114 times in the Hebrew scriptures alone where God says, I will be with you. There's that word again. So be not afraid. You don't have to go through life feeling lonely. And God just gave us all of these pictures of us and him together, his presence, that we are his people. There's this occasion in the Old Testament where a temple is built and it's intended to be this place where they could go, where they could experience God, experience his presence, where they could worship him, where they could be close to him, where he would hear their prayers. And they understood that. You see, God's desire was to simply be with people. I will be in this place and I will hear your prayers. I will receive your worship. I will give you guidance. I will be your father. All throughout scriptures, I will be with you. It's almost like all of that actually wasn't even enough until God finally gets this point where he now says, this is what I'm going to do next. I'm actually going to vacate this place up here and I've got to come down here. I must be with these people. That's Jesus. That's Christmas. That is the biggest miracle of all fitting into the smallest package. God in his entirety causes all of his person, all of his presence, all of his majesty, all of his power to be condensed and to be compacted into one fragile little human body. It's unimaginable. He goes down to earth because he wants to be with us. And of all the places that he starts, the Christmas story is almost absurd. Of all the places where he could start being with people, he chooses an impoverished peasant teenage girl called Mary and her family. And because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, that word with, it actually becomes a signature word in Jesus and in his ministry. In the beginning of his ministry, we're told that Jesus takes this little motley crew of some of them are tax collectors, some of them are fishermen, and Jesus kind of appoints 12 of them. He designates them as his disciples. They're going to become his apostles, and it's noticed about these men that they had been with Jesus. There's that word again. Later, we're told by the authorities that they were so struck by the power of being with Jesus on these disciples when they realized that these men were ordinary, unschooled, 
men, they were astonished. And it says this, they took note that they had been with Jesus. Jesus is with beggars and lepers and prostitutes and enemy soldiers and foreigners. And one time they look at Jesus and their nickname for him was, he's a friend of sinners. They actually intended that to be an insult towards Jesus. I think he wore it like a badge of honor. That little word, with. It's kind of what got Jesus killed, if you think about it. Because he kept hanging out with the wrong people. Scandalous people. And those religious authorities, those people who had clout and had spiritual, uh, a sense of reputation to them. They couldn't stand who he was hanging out with. And so they took him and they hung him on a cross and he died. But then three days later, he was resurrected. And in this gospel, Matthew, it says at the very end of it, after he dies, after he is resurrected, and prior to his ascension, these are almost some of the very last words that Jesus ever speaks. He says these words to his friends. And surely I am with you, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, I'm with you. Now, people wonder sometimes. I don't really know how you can say that. I know what it's like to be with my friend or with my colleagues at work. I know what it's like to be with my family or my spouse or my children or my grandkids. How can I be with Jesus? He's not really there. He's not present physically, bodily. He's not there. Well, being with somebody is so much more than just about physical proximity. In fact, some of you can have people at the same kitchen table, but their presence, their attention, their mind, and their soul is a million miles away. And we call these people husbands. <laughs> Listen to Orpberg. This is how he puts it. He says, what Jesus is saying is this. Now having become human, now that I was crucified, and now that I've been resurrected... I no longer am restricted to this physical body like you and I would be familiar with. So I can actually be present with anybody. I can be with you. I can be with you wherever you are. And that is the personal message of Christmas. Tomorrow morning you can wake up and you can say, God, I want you. Would you please be with me? And he will. He'll actually be with you. You can wake up every day and say that. He can be with you in your thoughts he can be with you in joy. He can be with you in tremendous difficulty and pain and strife and angst and, and illness and things not going your way. He can be with you in your hopes. He can be with you as we turn the corner to a new year. He can even be with you through other people. It says, particularly to the least of these, to those who are poor, those who feel like, oh man, 2020 just, I just feel trodden down. Jesus says, oh, I, I want to be with you. To those who are sick or impoverished. To those who have suffered loss. To those who feel like, I actually feel like I am a forgotten person. I feel like that kid who sits at the cafeteria table all by themselves. Jesus says, yeah, and I want to be with you. C.S. Lewis talks about this idea of need. This is so powerful. He says, you know the way that you experience hunger? You experience hunger in your life 
And what that denotes, what that means, is that you were intended to consume food. You were meant to eat. Just like that, he says, you know, you were, as you experience thirst, you can now understand that the way you were created, you were created to consume something to hydrate you. You need to, you need to drink water. Even our loneliness tells us that we were made by God, for God, and to be with God. See, loneliness, it's kind of like this clue to who we actually are. There's an old song. I actually love this song. Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. Haunting, beautiful melody to it. All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? What a great question. Well, I know the answer to that question. The answer to that question is this. They are people who live apart from God. They are people who live apart from his love. That's who they are. Paul describes it like this. These are people without hope, without God in the world. And the good news of Christmas is you don't actually have to live your life that way. You could ask Jesus to be with you this Christmas. You can ask him to forgive you of your wrongdoing, the stuff that you're embarrassed about, about yourself and your past, the things you've said, the mistakes you've made, the places you've gone, the things you've done, the sins, the flaws, the things that we would rather hide from other people so that they would think better of us, that make us actually feel sometimes like I ought to isolate myself from people. I don't want people to know that about me. And that actually makes us feel lonely. Jesus says, I want to be with you. I want to give you a fresh start. I actually want to wipe that slate clean. I want to introduce you to my forgiveness. Maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe you've known God for some time. But maybe God has felt, it just feels like God's far away from you. Well, you can begin all over again, even this Christmas Eve. And you can make space for him in your everyday life. And you can get help. Because there's another promise, a with promise. Is that right in the middle of God, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says this. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. It's an amazing promise. He actually has a plan for loneliness. And his plan is that those who would follow him would create a, a community with Jesus Christ at the very center. A family that you would actually embrace. My community group that I go to, I'm going to tell you right now, it is one text away and there's this gang of men and women that I believe love me and would bend over backwards to help me if they could or to pray for me or to, to show care for me in my life. And I'm grateful for that. That's God's plan for you. God hates it when anybody sits alone in the cafeteria. In January, I want to invite every single person right now to come back and be a part of our church. On the 3rd of January, we're going to launch a brand new series, and I think it is going to be a game changer. We're going to look at three particular things. For those of you who are very familiar with comparison, and that actually has done an ill work in your life. For those of you who are very familiar with hiding, I'm not going to let people know who I am. I'm not going to let people know about me. 
And that actually has done damage for you in your life. And for those of you, and my goodness, 2020 certainly has been this year. Sometimes we don't even know this about ourselves, but criticism falls out of our mouth and actually it does you a disservice in your relationships. We're going to bring them to the Lord and I believe God is going to set some people free. would love for you to come and be a part of the community of God together as we open up God's word and he sets us free together. What do you do when tragedy hits? We watch scenes on the news. We experience real loss in our lives. And often the question arises, particularly at that moment, God, are you with me now? Are you with me now when things are just far more difficult, when I'm struggling? Because sometimes when I'm struggling, it doesn't really feel like that's the moment that you're with me. What do we do with that? And Jesus actually has a plan for when tragedy happens to us. When a family loses a loved one or a child or an aging person who's battling illness or depression or somebody loses a job or somebody goes through a divorce and they're experiencing a sense of rejection. Nobody stands alone. Jesus has a plan for that and it centers around a life lived with him. Look at where all of this is heading. I want you to actually in this moment see the master plan of Jesus Christ for being with you, particularly in the context of difficulty. Revelation chapter 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life to those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Did you catch it? Do you see the desire of God to be with you? As surely as he came from heaven to earth 2,000 years ago, what he's saying is, I'm coming back again to be with you. Do you remember that walk in the garden? That's what I'm going to return things to. And this Christmas, he extends this offer to every single person. These ancient words written in a prophecy, let me read them again. The young woman will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And several centuries later, in the wisdom of God's timing, God does exactly what that prophecy says through Isaiah. His plan is meticulous. It is incredible. It is miraculous. It is beyond the ability of any human being to possibly bring and to position and to coerce or to manipulate, to cause it to come into effect. Only God could pull off this plan. And in his time, he does exactly that. I can't take it anymore. Father, I'm going to go down. I want to be with them. I'm going to be with them. 
Do you remember, Father, the walks in the cool of the evening when we simply talked and we walked together? I have to be with them. And so in the middle of this mess, in the middle of this sometimes a tragedy, in the middle of loneliness, I will be Emmanuel. I will be God with them, my children. And church, this is the good news. This is the Christmas message. God and sinners reconciled. Emmanuel, God with you, if you want. This Christmas, right now in this moment, I want to invite you to live the with God life. It's actually not a small thing. It'll change the trajectory of everything for you. Everything. It's a huge commitment. God lays down his life. He lays out his love. He lays out this invitation to be with him. And today, you can say, I never knew. This is, this is the first time that I have a sense of your of, of, of an understanding, God, of what you're actually speaking to me. And you can actually say yes to God. Or you can walk away and you can say no if you want. To say yes is nothing less than to repent of your sins. To say, come and take all of that embarrassment and shame and past. And please, give me that clean slate and forgive me. It's not a small thing. And then eternity begins on this day. 24th of December, 2020. And now you follow him and live for him all the days of your life. Life without him? I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine 2020 without Jesus Christ. I can't imagine turning the corner to the next year without him. Saying yes to his love and his acceptance and his forgiveness. What a gift he invites you to take this Christmas. If you want to truly respond to what God is saying to you today, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my past, my regrets, my flaws, my brokenness, the mess that I've made. And would you give me a brand new heart, a clean slate, a new start, a new life. I want to say yes to this Christmas gift. I want to ask you to please be my savior and my leader, to be with me all the days of my life. Amen. And that is the good news of Christmas. And if you pray that prayer for the first time right now, I'm gonna tell you, scripture specifically tells us that all of heaven is just rejoicing, just throwing a party, another one, adopted into the family of God. If you're in our chat right now, I want you to put a, a praise God and an amen and a fist pump and anything you can do to celebrate and cheer on those who have come into the family of God today. If you pray that prayer for the first time, uh, your online host right now is gonna put a link in there and we have a starter kit with a Bible and a few other pieces that we would love to give you for free. And uh, if you just click on that link, uh, you'll be sorted. Okay, praise God. Well, we're going to finish off our Christmas Eve service. We don't have too many traditions at Community Church, but we do have one on a Christmas Eve. Uh, we sing Silent Night together. So if you want to open up the Christmas box that you received, and in there you will find some candles for you and for your family, I would encourage you go ahead right now, grab them and light them, 
and we're going to sing Silent Night together.